listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We're uh, continuing on in our uh, sermon series, uh, Left on Red. And uh, for those of you under, under 30, you know what that means. For those of us over 30, we didn't, but now we do. It means that there's a text message that came in or a message that came in and you read it, but you did not respond. And we are called to respond to God's word. We are called to respond to, uh, to, to the action that God puts in our heart. And so we want to make sure that we are responding to God's word. We're continuing on in our uh, series uh, of the seven churches in Revelation. And this is based off of a, a, a trip that Adam and I got the privilege of going on last uh, September uh, with Brad Gray. And so let's go ahead and take a look at this map here so we can uh, catch up to where we've been and where we're going here. We start off with Ephesus, and Adam shared with us the importance of Ephesus and uh, the great things that were there. One of the most excavated places that you'll find as far as a city is concerned. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and then we went to Smyrna, uh, which is current day Izmir, three to four million people. The location is so awesome that it's still an awesome location, and there's lots of things happening there, and we talked about that one. And then last week, we went all the way over to Pergamum, and Pergamum does not have a great location, except it's on a hill, but Rome said it was going to be great, so it was. And they made it great, and they put all of these different altars uh, altars and temples on the top, and we wrestled with which one of these uh, sites is where Satan's throne is, where he dwells, and we tried to apply it to our life today. Is it in entertainment? Is it in medicine? Is it in power? Is it in the worshiping of other emperors? Is it, you know, is it worshiping of other gods? And so we talked about that, and now we're going to move to Thyatira. And Thyatira is just kind of in a, in a middle point there, as you can see. And Thyatira is the smallest of all of these cities that we are going to talk about with the longest letter. So remember, uh, Ephesus, Ephesus is like 200,000 people, and Smyrna is like 150 to 200,000 people, and Pergamum is like 100. Like these are giant cities. And then there's Thyatira. When I say Thyatira, you should think blue-collar city. You should think like uh, steel mills and like Detroit and like this. This is a this is a place where stuff happened. This is like if we were if Coeur d'Alene Resort was Pergamum with power and beauty and all of these other stuff. Actually, Coeur d'Alene's even prettier than Pergamum. Thyatira would be Plummer. No offense if you're from Plummer. But Plummer has like a lumber mill. They're a hard-working town. It's a hard-working place. And, and so when you think about Thyatira, think smaller um, and also think uh, of, of like a, of a, of a blue-collar worker. So as we've been doing, I want to read to you guys this letter without context first, and then we're going to read it again later with context. But let's just say that uh, you, are in, you are all Thyatireans, if that's the right word we would use, and you're going to get this letter. And so if you would with me, just kind of, Immerse yourself into this letter as you would hear it for the first time. To the angel of the church of Thyatira, right? These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality, into eating foods, sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling 
So I will cast her on the bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches the hearts and the minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teachings and have have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. As I think about that, I'm like, man, that started off so well. <laughs> it started off so well. And then what happened? What's going on in this church? A couple of things that you need to know about Thyatira. Uh, their main god was uh, Tyrimnos, who was the sun god. And Tyrimnos is also the Greek god Apollo. And Apollo's dad is Zeus. Remember Zeus from last week, the altar to Zeus, the god of all the uh, the god of all the gods. So that would make Apollo the son of God. Interesting. I wonder if that'll make more sense next time we read it. Two main industries in Thyatira. Uh, they were known for their burnished bronze. Uh oh. I think we had a burnished something in there. The very first selfie. If you didn't have a, uh, that's the closest thing you're going to get to mirror to a mirror in the biblical times is burnished bronze. Be able to see yourself a little bit. Um, the first selfies were with burnished bronze, right? Hey, look at me. Um, and so the other industry that was pretty uh, prevalent there was dye, purple dye, which is made used for royalty. Um, to understand Thyatira, you have to understand guilds and guild feasts. This place is very underwhelming. Let me show you a couple pictures of Thyatira. Uh, there's not a lot to show you because there's not a lot there. Um, probably the most underwhelming site that I had been to there. I remember us getting off the bus and there's 30 some of us and we're like walking through this thing. Oops, car coming, look out. And trying to get everybody across the street at the same time and they don't really care, they'll hit you. Um, so just watch out, don't get hit. You could see our, our tour, our guide was like, okay, let's not have anybody die as we walk over to the site. And we get to this little site and it's like, oh, Cool, like, like thank goodness we didn't start with Ephesus. We kind of did it backwards because we would have been pretty disappointed. But this site, in the next picture, this site is not very big. It's like a half a city block. And apartments look over the top of it. And so Thyatira is is not thing, but but it's not a big city. But the, the guilds were really, they found a ton of stuff about the guilds. And guilds, when I say guilds, I want you to think uh, unions and fraternities combined. Unions and fraternities combined. And so uh, the guild is like the iron workers union or these things. They get together for the betterment of themselves 
and they're, and they're a group of people. And each guild has its own deity. Each guild has its own God. And so when you talk about these, these food sacrificed to idols, that is what they're talking about in this letter. And it's not bad to eat food that's sacrificed to, sacrificed to idols that you bought at the market later. It's bad to eat food at the event that is honoring those idols. It's like the barbecue without the cue. It's raw meat. And so when you think Thyatira, you got to think guilds. And they found the, the most evidence in all of Asia uh, Minor that, about guilds were found in this tiny little place in Thyatira. So... Um, Every guild owned, owned property in its own name, made contracts, and wielded wide influence in the city's political, economical, social, and religious life. Guild membership was compulsory for uh, anyone pursuing a trade. Each provided specific benefits and took actions to protect its own interests. Does it sound familiar? Each guild had its own deity, and all proceedings and feasts commenced with paying homage to that god or goddess. So it's like if you were in a fraternity, it's like pledge week. I was not in a fraternity, but it's like pledge week every week. You might be doing something very uncomfortable and something that you're not used to doing to come and honor, to pledge to what? To pledge to that God, to pledge to be loyal to that. Do you see this being a problem if you're a Christian in Thyatira? If you want to eat, you want to trade, you want to market with other people, you need to go and like, if you're in a guild, you've got to worship that God. That's idol worship. Big, big problem for us as Christians. And I'm sure it's not that way anymore, right? Your employer hasn't asked you to do something that you're uh, not down with yet. So uh, some of the guilds that they found there were wool workers, linen uh, workers, uh, makers of outer garments, garments, dyers, leather workers, tanners, potters, bakers, slave dealers, and bronze smiths. Just some of the guilds. So guild feasts were mainly male driven. <clears throat> Think of like uh, every whatever weekend your your spouse is going to go off to this guild feast and it's business but it's in the business of sexual immorality. It's in the business of idol worship. It, a lot of horrible things were going to happen at this guild feast and if you want to eat or function or live you need to be part of a guild in your industry. So let's read this letter again. I'm going to jump in and out of the text as we're reading it again. And let's see if some of the context that we're shining on this makes sense. All right. To the church of the angel of Thyatira, right? These are the words of the son of God. Boom. Who's the son of God? Tyrimnos, Apollo? No. The son of God is Jesus Christ right out of the gate. Have you noticed a pattern in our letters that, that the announcement of who is, who is coming or who's writing the letter is pretty bold. Let's take a look back at Ephesus. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Introduction to Ephesus. Smyrna. These are the words of him who was first and last who died and came to life again. Pergamum, these are the words of him who has a sharp double-edged sword from fire. These are the words of the son of God. So you're finding this, this repeated cycle in these letters. Introduction, compliment, 
correction, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Whose eyes are like a blazing fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. Does Jesus know what's going on in this church? Does he know what's going on in that town? Is he aware of what's going on in Thyatira? Does he know their industry? Does he know the God that they're worshiping? Sounds like it, doesn't it? How about us here in Moscow? How about us here on the Palouse? Do you think Jesus knows what's going on here? Do you think Jesus cares about what's going on in the Palouse? Does he have the ability to care about what's going on and how we're representing things out there in the world? Your Savior knows what's going on in our church and in our own lives. I know your deeds, your love and your faith and your service and perseverance and that you are now doing more than you did at first. You are the working class people getting it done. You're doing more. Good job. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Oh, you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. All right, Jezebel, if you're Jewish, if you're, if you're in that church and you're sitting there, you hear the word Jezebel, you think first and second Kings. You think ball, ball worship. You think, uh, maybe you even think of these, uh, the, the Nicolaitans that we've been talking about, that you're off track. And so Jesus uses the phrase of Je- Jezebel to draw them back to something. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality. You're tolerating sexual immorality inside the church. You're letting things slowly leak over here and slowly leak over there. Totally not applicable. And the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Guild feast, guild feast, guild feast, guild feast. So wait a minute. That's just where I got stuck this week when I was preparing for the message. I was like, are we talking about sexual immorality and worshiping idols again, Jesus, back-to-back weeks? Ah, yeah. Seems like he thought enough to talk to us about it again and again. And it just doesn't happen just to be in this one place, does it, in the text? It's like there's a weakness that he knows that's in mankind about wanting to worship something other than God. And it's like there's a weakness in how we're built into sexual immorality. From David to you name it. So, uh, by her teaching, she misled my servants into sexual immorality and eating, uh, uh, and eating food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality. Yeah, if you go from like the dating of kings, like 500 years. Giving people 500 years to repent from sexual immorality and worshiping idols. But she is unwilling. So I will cast her onto the bed of suffering. Interesting word here, uh, the bed of suffering is kleine. Say kleine. Say recliner. Hey, you're in your kleine, right? So when you think about this bed of suffering, this kleine, this, this idea, I've cast her onto this place where sexual immorality is happening at your guild feasts. And I will make them, I'll make those who commit adultery, those who choose to dwell in that lifestyle, I will make these people who choose to dwell in that lifestyle suffer intensely. Unless they repent of their ways. How many people have blown it in their Christian walk? This week. Okay. Right? And how many times did Jesus allow you to come back to him? Over 
and over and over and over and over and over. It's almost like the price has been paid for all of everything that's going on for us forever and ever and ever. And then he knows that we're going to have to come back to him. He knows that we're going to be drawn back to him at the bottom of our despair. So even then, he says, unless they repent of her ways, I will strike her children dead. The followers of her ways, the, the offspring of sexual morality. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches the hearts and the minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Jesus knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in this, this particular church. He knows what happens with this church as we get out into the community and we are the church. Jesus knows what's going on. And he's calling us to be aware of these things. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold her teachings and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. Did anybody after when I was reading that, where you're like, wait a minute, what are Satan's so-called deep secrets? So a while back we talked about, um, when I was talking about Ephesus, I was talking about this place called uh, Myelita, Myelitis. And it was about 10 miles from Ephesus. And there was this giant temple there that was for oracle worship. And we're finding this in Thyatira, that there was oracle worship in Thyatira. So an oracle is a place where you would go and you would pay whatever price you needed to pay to get an answer. I need an answer to this question. And you might have to wait for a week or two weeks or forever, but they're going to go talk to the person who has the answer of this question. And an oracle on Thyatira, you would go and you're waiting to get this, this answer, this so-called deep secret. Because you don't need to get the answer from the Son of God, do you? You don't need to access God directly. You can access these other little gods and get some false answer that's going to derail you down a path. So when he says deep secrets, it could be referring to an oracle of where you're trying to get answers. Where there's no good answers. I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. No extra weight. Just keep doing what you're doing for those of you who are following Jesus. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one at the morning star who has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. Are we seeing a pattern? Is it a pattern that we would all like to get away from? Does it feel like sexual immorality and idol worship is going up or going down in your world? As you look at gaze upon the world is the author of, of is, is, is there more confusion isn't there's a phrase like, if you confuse them, you lose them. Let me confuse you about who you are. Let me confuse you about whose you are. And who wants you to be confused? Satan wants you to be confused. Who wants you to, 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 to think the world's in chaos all the time? Satan wants you to think that the world's in chaos. And who, is, who, who wants you to know who you are? Who wants you to have God's word in your heart and on your heart and have purpose and focus? Jesus does. Do you see the clear lines that have been around for thousands of years of the evil one who has plans? He's not very, he's not very uh, uh, 
creative, but he's pretty persistent. I think that's a great Crochelle quote that I heard from my friend in the lobby. He's not very creative, but he's very persistent. He's using the same things over and over and over and over again. I, let, me, ooh, let me put this in front of you. Oh, how about this one right here? You want this? You want this? Oh, money, money, money? Oh, sex, sex, sex? No? Oh, okay, how about this over here? How about power, power, power? Over and over and over and over again to derail what Jesus called my servants. So we have to have our antennas up. We should not be confused. We should be providing clarity, not just from the pulpit. You know, I, I pray before and after my messages. I'm like, Lord, if there's something good in there, you, all the glory be to you. And if there's something bad in there, can you do the men in black thing and just take the picture and have it erase everybody's memory? Like, we, we, we should be able to provide clarity in the workplace, in the medical fields, as, as owners of companies. We should be able to provide clarity on those things. Well, you're kind of mixing, you know, faith and yeah, I know. Our faith mixes into a lot of things. It almost gives us like, it's almost like it gives us our morality. It's almost like it helps us decide what's right and wrong. Okay. Sorry if that rubs you the wrong way. But that's what it's for. It's, it's to provide truth. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It gives us guidance. We don't have to go to an oracle, the great oracle of our politics. They don't have the answers, do they? Have we been disappointed? You're not going to be disappointed in Jesus. You may not like what he has to say all the time, but he's not going to lie to you. Sexual immorality, sexual immorality, idols, 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 back to back. Idol, the worship of someone or something other than God as though it was God. Anybody do an inventory last week? Got any idols in the way? Getting you confused? Well, maybe I should do, oh man, I'm kind of I'm really confused. Oh, okay. Who's the author of confusion? Sexual morality, using sexual acts outside of God's ideal, perverting something so beautiful and so amazing. If you confuse them, you lose them. So this is a city of compromise. Unlike are probably a lot like most of our cities now. You go to any of our cities and be compromised. But having the faith to walk that line, to understand who Jesus is and who he says he is. You don't need to go to some spiritual medium or some psychic or something other than God. You go to God, your father, and you do it in community. This is a hard message for me to figure out what to say. I was like, are we saying the same thing again, Lord? Is there more idols that are in our church that are in our way? We need to move out so we can see you better. Jesus knows what's going on in his church. He cares. He's paying attention to your struggles and to my struggles and to everyone else who claims him as Lord and as Savior. And by church, he means not a building. He means his people, your very heart. And yes, we're tempted by idols. And yes, we're tempted by sexual immorality. But through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we can overcome that. 
This morning as I was praying over the message, First uh, Corinthians came to me, First Corinthians 10. There, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Hmm. Idol worship and sexual immorality. Has that been pretty common as you read this text? Forever. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. We have a God that knows what's going on in our churches. We have a God that will help us and provide a way out for us. And the way out, in my opinion, is to be submitted to our Lord Jesus in every aspect of our life. And I don't know what idols are in your life. I don't know what you're allowing into your brain that's causing you or maybe moving you down a, a, a trail that's immoral. But God does. And he doesn't want you to be confused. He wants you to be laser focused on this beautiful purpose that he has for you. He has given you, he has equipped you. You have everything inside of you to accomplish exactly what your Lord and Savior wants for you to do. We just got to stay on the path. We just got to repent and come back. And he makes it real easy for us to do that. I want to say easy. He makes it available for us to do that. So we're going to take this time to go to communion. And it's a time for centering. It's a time for coming back. It's time to crush idols. It's a time to to move things out of your life and to bring Jesus back into your life in a better way. And so if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want you to partake with us. Uh, If you don't, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'm hoping this time as we dive in and understanding more about what was left on red that we could see that th- what was applying to the church in Thyatira is no different than today. People are predictable. The nature of God's people are predictable. What they were weak in then, we are still weak in now. And they needed Jesus, and Jesus announced himself as the Son of God right into that church. And he is the Son of God in our church today, tomorrow, and forever. And so let's pray as we go to communion. Father God, I just ask for your hand upon this body. You are right now revealing little mini idols that we have in our life that we need to to kick to the side. You are the author of clarity. You are the author of purpose. You help guide us and give us wisdom as we move forward, God. And so we ask that you would just, we rebuke Satan's hold in our lives. We rebuke any confusion that's going on in our community, in our schools, in our government, all those things. Lord, give us clarity. Let us be a light, Father God. And we are a light because the light is within us. And the sacrifice that you gave us through your son, the son of God. Lord Jesus. Amen. So Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we remember you. Cleanse our hearts, Lord. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me, let's remember who our Lord is. Again, Father, we just um, come to you as we're learning through the letters that you provide for us to these churches. They're struggling with the same things that, that we struggle with, Lord. In the workplace, 
at home in our private thoughts. And Lord, we just come to you that you'd ask us, you'd heal us in community, you'd heal us in your word, you'd heal us as we worship. That we wouldn't take any extra burden or any extra weight. That you've taken it for us, Lord. We ask that the Holy Spirit would just enter, enter our hearts and you would help us clear out any confusion in our lives. You would give us confirmation through others and through your word. That we would be drawn towards you and moving towards your purpose and your plan. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.